Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. This is episode 57 now of the podcast. Glad you're listening. Glad you're here, however you got here. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or maybe you listen on abqjournal.com slash sports, where you could hear, obviously, this episode, if that's how you're listening, or you can hear the entire 57-episode archive of the Talking Grammar Podcast. As I record this intro to episode 57, it's Tuesday, December 27th, the eve, if you will, of Mountain West Conference play. Starts Wednesday night for the Lobos in the pit against Colorado State. And as I recorded the conversation with this episode's guest, assistant to the head coach of the UNM Lobo basketball team, Dave Pilipovich, I recorded my conversation with him last night, December 26th. I, I wanted to talk to him as league play starts because he has as much experience and knowledge about the Mountain West as anybody at the UNM staff, really. Tarvis Felton, the assistant coach, coached both at Utah State and Fresno State, so he knows this league as well. Uh, Utah State joined after Dave Pilipovich was already you know, a part of the Air Force squad, so, so Dave's been around the Mountain West really even longer than Tarvish, but those two guys know the Mountain West. Coaches like, uh, I know Eric Brown had, had some time at UNLV as well, but uh, Richard Pitino still doesn't know this league necessarily all that well. He is in his second year as a head coach. And uh, Isaac Chu, the other assistant, doesn't probably know this league all that well. So in terms of what the Lobos, who are 12-0 and and now nationally ranked after Monday's new Associated Press Top 25 poll came out, and they're ranked 22nd, um, what are the Lobos about to get into? Well, it's a guy like Dave Pilipovich that I wanted to kind of pick his brain about what the Lobos are about to get into, what they can expect, why coaches in every league say the league play is, is just so much amped up and so much tougher than normal, but... But coaches around the Mountain West have been pretty consistent with the messaging that that these are some tough arenas to play in. The travel makes makes things pretty hard, and, and it's just really good basketball. So, and this year in particular, if you look at the computer rankings, the, it's true. The the Lobos aren't the only team in, enjoying kind of maybe a little bit of surprise success. But the net rankings, the Ken Palm rankings, almost every team in the Mountain West is ranked higher than the computer polls and everything projected them to be at the beginning of the season. So San Diego State's going to still be the preseason. Uh, they were the preseason favorite. They're still going to be entering league play, the favorites to win this league, and, and rightfully so, sort of uh, until they get knocked off. Why should anybody else think that a team even like UNM is going to knock them off? Because UNM's strength of schedule was so weak, frankly, um, overall. But you got to give the Lobos some credit. Uh, not some credit. You got to give them a lot of credit. They're twelve and zero. They haven't had the hiccup that a lot of other college basketball teams have had. And if you look at the few teams they've they've scheduled that um, do count as quality wins and resume builders, those teams have beat Mountain West teams that are considered league champion contenders. They the Lobos won at St. Mary's, a St. Mary's team that has beat San Diego State on a neutral court and has beat Wyoming on a neutral court. They won a neutral court game with San Francisco, who six days later beat UNLV at UNLV. They, the Lobos won a road game by 21 points at SMU. SMU just last week in Hawaii on a neutral court beat Utah State, who's another league title contender. So if, if you look at those kind of things, I, I guess you could throw into that, that UNM beat Northern Colorado by 24 points. Northern Colorado upset Colorado State in Fort Collins. Um, so while there, there aren't a whole lot of um, games that you can look at in the Lobos non-conference slate that you can say, wow, that proves that that their 12 and 0 ranking isn't, you know, isn't just all built on beating nobody. It's like they, they had a few games that were really good teams, and those few games that were really good teams did beat some Mountain West teams. So sample size is too small to know for sure just how good the Lobos are yet. 
but they haven't had the hiccup that a lot of college basketball teams have had. A lot of there are teams ranked higher than them in the AP Top 25 poll that have pretty bad strength of schedules, even even worse than the Lobos that have losses as well. So, um, so far the Lobos have done all they can with the schedule they've had, and they enter league play with the target on their back because they are undefeated and they are ranked number 22. And this is a league that is tough to play in, frankly. So I want to talk to Dave about that. Also talk to Dave, who I've had on this podcast now, I think three times. I think this is his third time. And I talked to him about, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, huge football fan. Dave is a huge Steelers fan. So we talk a little bit about that. Has he ever been a part of a team like a 12-0 and start like this? Um, what can you tell me about working with a guy like a Jalen House and, and some of the other players on this team? What is his role with the team exactly? What, what does he do on a day-to-day basis? How much film is he breaking down? How much is he working with Richard Pitino? What is, it, what is he doing? And um, then, obviously, what does conference play in the Mountain West really mean? So, appreciated his time uh, to, to come on my podcast right before league play and, and then offer up his unique perspective. And I appreciate you for listening. All our coverage of uh, Lobo basketball, of all Lobo sports, of all college sports, high school sports, and New Mexico sports in general, abqjournal.com slash sports. Keep giving me your feedback. I appreciate the feedback you guys are giving so far. And on social media, that's at Jeff Grammer, Jeff with the G, of course. And that's on Twitter. And you can also email me, ggrammer at abqjournal.com is how you can email me. So appreciate all the feedback. Glad you're listening. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with assistant to the head coach of the UNM basketball team, Dave Pilpovich. All right, Dave, uh, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a while since since we've done one of these, but you've been on the podcast before. And I, <laughs> as we record this, it's December 26th, and I want to talk to you about all the important stuff, like the 12-0 and 0 start, all the things you're doing with the Lobos, all the exciting stuff about conference play about to start. But as, as I look at these NFL standings on December 26th, and I see the Pittsburgh Steelers are still very yeah. much – in the uh, in the running to make the playoffs, I'm curious what a Steelers fan like yourself thinks about that. Did you did you see this coming? You know, after the month of September, I thought we would not be in this position, but obviously very excited about it. They've played well as of late, trying to get some players back healthy, and to be seven and eight and still having a chance to make the playoffs is uh, remarkable. And uh, I'm rooting for the Chargers to lose tonight because (laughs) we need all AFC teams to keep losing and the Steelers sneak out a Baltimore win and a Cleveland win, and maybe they could sneak in the playoffs. That's It's crazy to think about, you know, with the Steelers and all the success you've enjoyed um, through the years. I know there might have been some lean lean years maybe, but not not a whole lot of them. The Steelers are are pretty consistent, and I'm curious when you – when you see a, a change at quarterback with Ben last year and, and you're kind of going into this year and you you guys are giving a, a guy a second chance in Trubisky and you guys are, are drafting a guy like a rookie right out of the gate, like wh- what's your what's your mindset? Is it is it take a year off to, to rebuild this thing up or or do you as a Steelers fan, are you a little bit spoiled and want to get back to those playoffs? Probably a little bit of both. You are spoiled because you've had playoff success and obviously the Super Bowls that they've played in and have won. But also knowing it's going to take some time, uh, probably beginning rooting for a guy like Trubisky to get another opportunity and, and play and show his worth. And unfortunately, it didn't work early. And, and they had an offensive line that wasn't as experienced, so you can't put all the blame on him. 
and there was a lot of pressure probably on the on the staff and and the whole administration to play your first round draft choice quarterback who played there at Pitt. And I think Kenny's done a really good job coming in. He's he's a confident player. He's an older rookie. He's twenty five years old, so uh, he has some experience. Uh, played five years of college football, and I think he's going to be there for a long time and probably be successful. Hopefully. Well, as a 49ers fan, you know I'm I'm in a pretty yes. unique spot this season because I didn't know what to expect this year. <laughs> and I was going to ask you that. If yeah. you had Trey Lance healthy, because I'm a fan of his, would you be 11-4 right now? I, I don't think so. I, I, I went into this season all in on, okay, we got to see what we have in Trey Lance. And I think we knew what we had in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it, it didn't take long for me – to then be really worried about, well, you know, how, how far are we going to go with Trey Lance here? Because he obviously mm-hmm. saw some work to do. Um, but once once he got hurt, I, I obviously didn't want to see him get hurt. I still want to know what we have as a 49ers team in Trey Lance. But I was okay with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, and then he gets hurt. And that was the first time I was like, well, okay, now we're really in trouble because who's Brock Purdy? Right. Next, next thing you know, like I'm ready to crown him. Like you know, the, the Mount Rushmore of 49ers is you know Joe Montana, Steve Young, and go ahead and throw Brock Purdy on there right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not overreacting at all. I think he's no, he's. Uh, I, I've come to the realization that the 49ers are a team that is very much set up, and, and I love this about them, where I don't think the quarterback is yeah. as important as as you as we all make the quarterback position out to be right i mean i just asked you about the steelers and i asked you about two quarterbacks it's it's what everybody does but yep. he shanahan's really done a remarkable job of making the 49ers a team that probably isn't reliant on a quarterback um as much as maybe some other offenses but he also isn't reliant on superstar running backs either he's kind of turned out all these running backs through the years that are playing for other teams now and doing pretty good but he you don't need a star and yet when they got christian mccaffrey i was just in love with that i was like oh they don't need a star and then i hear they get they trade for mccaffrey i'm like that's great that's great so i'm i'm very hypocritical when it comes to the 49ers i i can convince myself of anything when i when i start getting excited and unfortunately for me i am excited this year because normally when I get excited about the 49ers something bad happens but we will <laughs> we will see I I'm when you have that defense it's hard not to be excited about about what they're doing yeah they 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 brag about their defense and and, and rightfully so and and obviously uh I think that coordinator is probably going to be a next head coach in the league somewhere uh, he's pretty talented and and, and it's funny though when you watch their games and they show stats when Jimmy Garoppolo's in there all he does is win I know, I know. And, and everyone wants to replace him, and he's not this, he's not that. He wins. It, it's kind of – I mean, I don't know what the uh, what the comparison there is of, of maybe some player in, some, in any sport, really, that's had – and it's not really – it's not necessarily Jimmy, Jimmy G hate, I don't think, but uh-huh. even 49er fans like myself are like, okay, I've seen enough. Like, what, what else can we do? And, yeah, yeah, like all he does is get you to – AFC, I mean, NFC championship games yep. get you to a Super Bowl a few years ago. Like he, he does everything you want in a quarterback. And in this system that I just got done saying is sort of based on the quarterback just can't really hurt you for the most part. Jimmy G hasn't, hasn't hurt them. So like oh. he does everything you want. And yet, like for some reason, I think everyone's like, okay, well, if we have somebody else, that's okay. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting playoff. I'll tell you that. And and he's yeah he's sort of a Ronnie Dangerfield like I, I he he just doesn't get any respect and all he does is no, win. But I will say this every time I watch the 49ers, I I've kind of become 
maybe this started with like their, their week one loss to the, to the Bears. They were sort of dominating, but had to settle for a field goal here and there. And I'm yeah. every time I watch them now, and they don't punch it in for a touchdown, I'm like, okay, that field goal is going to bite us. And and I've become that guy that complains about taking three <laughs> points now. So I'm uh, I'm, get, I'm getting a little spoiled. Uh, here, now being here and, and finally getting a chance the second time back here and living here, my wife and I, would you say that mostly Albuquerque is Cowboys Raiders? Um, I, I think you will find if it wasn't this year that there's uh-huh. af- actually an Broncos. awful lot of Broncos fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. And man, that I haven't oh, seen, my. I haven't seen a whole lot of those uh, jackets out this year. You know, I mean, yeah. with, with, what they're, with what they're going through, um, I would say, I would probably say Broncos Cowboys pretty equally okay. in this town with the Raiders okay. a close third actually, okay. but the Raiders have really kind of, when they moved to Las Vegas, actually, I, yeah. I don't know if that just rejuvenated fans everywhere that were Raider fans sure. or what, but yeah, they, they seem to be kind of everywhere now. <laughs> yes. No, for sure. For sure. Yes. And yes. Um, what about Steelers fans? You see a lot of those out I, here. Still I too. do. I yeah. do. And I went, uh, I think the second game and third game, I went out to grab a bite to eat and watch the game uh, and ran into quite a few Steeler fans in some local places. So it was neat to see. That's pretty cool. Um, what about the, around the office? Are, are there any big football fans in, in the uh, office Coach, there, the Lobo coaching Coach staff? Coach is a Giants fan. Coach Chu is a Chicago Bears fan. Uh Tarvish Felton is more Cowboys because he says we all the time when he talks about the Cowboys. You know and, what? I re- he told me that, and um, I believe his son's name isn't his son's name Deacon, maybe Deacon. Yes, yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Yes. So we got a mixture. We got a mixture of uh, fans for sure. So tell me about what's going on with with your role on this team again. I, I want to kind of pick your brain about since you've been through this as a head coach too. What's about to come for conference play? But what has your role been like this year with the Lobos? What did you maybe see it as being, and what has it evolved into? Is is this is whatever you're doing? Is it what you thought it would be? And more, and more, and and why I say that is uh, Coach Patino's been awesome. I mean, he is he is such a good coach but an even better person. I mean, he is really, really the way he treats people, the staff, the players and people around the office and fans. Uh, he is just such a, such a good person and he has welcomed me in and I've uh, really enjoyed it. I've done a little bit of everything, whatever he needs, um, you know, whether it be film or whether it be uh, watching some game film of a past teams, whether it be uh, uh, filling in on the court because a coach is out recruiting. If a coach is out recruiting or a coach is out sick, then I could step on the floor and, and and be involved in practice or even step on the road recruiting, which I've done both this year. So whatever it may be, uh, maybe an administrative uh, um, question that maybe I've had experience with, maybe an academic issue um, I've been through with somebody or scheduling, whatever it may be. So been really well-rounded in in all aspects of the program because he's kept me involved in a lot of things, which I've really appreciated. And the staff is just really good, very connected. Uh, You know, I've done it for a long time and uh, been along with so many staffs and some really good staffs, but this is really a connected staff. And I give a credit to everybody, but especially him because he is the leader of the staff and, and uh, it's been really, really good. And that's not just because we're 12 and oh, I mean, that was in June when we haven't played a game or July or August. It's just really a good working environment. How much of the, I mean, you, you, you rattled off, you know, several things that you do there. How, how much game film and, and kind of game by game, 
preparation are you a part of in, in, in any way? Like what, what is your, I guess, game to game from game one to game two? I know you're not doing the scout necessarily, but right. in some way you guys are all doing the scout. That's sort of what right. preparation for a game is. So what is your game prep like? You know, I watch a lot of film and I was just watching film when you called. I mean, I just watch games. I mean, watch uh, obviously our uh, upcoming opponents, uh, our past opponents, um, also some teams in the past who played similar to maybe somebody we're playing against, how they guard actions defensively, how maybe we can attack them with some offensive things we do. So I uh, and then I watch our practice tape uh, after uh, obviously each practice and our game tape and I'll cut up tape with our video coordinator and present that to coach uh, for his picking and choosing of what maybe he want to show he wants to show to the team uh, some positives and maybe some not so positives. So I do a lot of film and then I watch a lot of games. Um, you know, West Coast Conference games, Big Ten games, uh, similar styles, maybe similar personnel and throw maybe an idea out of maybe we can tweak this or tweak that. Or coach may say, look for some things here and there. So uh, a lot of film, but I enjoy that. And um, as you said, we all are a part of uh, the upcoming game and upcoming scout and all having a chance to put eyes on our opponents. What Have you ever been a part of a 12-0 and 0 or, or anything similar to a 12-0? and 0? No, we talked about that as a staff last week. You know, how about this start? You know, where have we been? We've all been a part of some teams that, um, you know, have won uh, games and been on winning streaks, maybe four, six, eight, nine games, but 12. I I can't recall that. Uh, jokingly, uh, my uh, fourth, fifth year in coaching, I was at Florida Atlantic, and we just transitioned from Division two to Division one. So we were playing a uh, – strong division one schedule, mostly all guarantee games. So the likes of Georgetown, Iowa state, USC, Tulane, LSU, everybody, we started 0 and 21. So I was on the other end of it. And then we set NC state and Stetson and had two wins. So, but that was a fun year because it was four freshmen starting and one sophomore. And they were just a great group of young men, but 12 and 0, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And we've had some challenges, you know, we had some scheduling changes uh, that came out that we didn't foresee, uh, we picked up a game and traveled and played a very tough San Francisco team in Las Vegas at a, at a weird time, a late game, and came through at the end and won and and then jumped back on planes and, and get back home. And, and uh, it's been a really unique year. Give a lot of credit to coach and staff, and, and but the players. I mean, they've really bought into how he wants to play, how we are playing. And, and I think uh, for the most part, you, you can say that on each and every game night, we play pretty hard. I, I I think as I watch this team too, and you know, I I don't know exactly if this team I I don't know for sure if this team would be twelve and zero if you guys weren't so old. The, the roster is pretty old. I think mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's I think you guys start other than Donovan in the in that top seven. I I think they're all twenty one and older. I mean, they could all go out for a drink if they wanted to afterwards. Not that they would, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think this is a a pretty old team. And I don't know if you guys are twelve and old without that experience but and maturity, but I, I guess I don't know that for sure. I mean, maybe the talent wins out. How, how much of it has to do with the fact that this is a kind of a mature group and not just a talented one? It is a mature group, and I will say that. But, you know, we talked about this as the season started, but still fairly new. You know, they not a lot of experience playing with each other. Right. And that's a credit to, to the players and themselves of how they – adjusted, adopted each other, and and have a buy-in to the team and, and are playing so well 
together because it did take some time to get used to. Okay, is he cutting here? Is he is he shooting here? Is he is he going right? Is he going left? Do I move this way? Because as you know, that takes some time to get a feel for each other. And even though we were older, we didn't have a lot of game experience and, and minutes played together on the floor at one time. So that really is a is a credit to them and and how they played and. And I've been uh, again around some teams, and 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 I can and I I don't want to jinx this, but there has not been one day where coaches had to ask them to play hard. Yeah, and that's something. You know, they have come in each and every day to work, whether we're going thirty minutes or two hours and thirty minutes, whatever it may be. They come in with a business like work ethic. They're playing hard. They're competing against each other, and there's no all right. We have to pull. And drag and and coerce and say, come on, you gotta play hard. He's never done that, and and knock on wood, uh, it's been a, a pleasure to be around and to witness that. I, I do think people that watch, you know, Jalen House in particular, might get frustrated with his uh, his talkative style and his antics on the court and this and that. But I've I've told people, you know, what what, what do you want other than a guy who plays as hard as he does? Like when he's on the court, you don't question how hard he's playing. And, and I don't know who on the court you can question how hard they're playing. It's it has been it has been this season, um, you know, pretty remarkable from that standpoint. I don't think you hear any of the groans in the in the pit from fans that that have haven't been shy in the past about letting letting players um, or teams know when they feel the effort wasn't there. And you just haven't heard that this year. No, no, exactly. And 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 I did know, uh, you know, from watching on film, obviously all the players, but you know, having a chance to 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 watch Mashburn and, and the Lobos at house and those and Javante and those guys last year. Um, so Morris and Josiah were a little bit of a crapshoot because just saw them on tape and then beginning to know them. And gosh, they both play hard. And Josiah, you know, his motor runs hot all the time. Yeah, you know, he he just from baseline to baseline, his effort is unbelievable. Had a a fellow that I worked with last year in the Spurs and talking the other day. And he asked, he said, does he do that every day? I said, every day. I said, practice, whatever, maybe walk through whatever, maybe he, he's just always on, you know, and that that's That's contagious. And the other guys have fed off that. And it's been really, again, uh, fun to see. You had mentioned something in a previous answer about like chemistry takes time to build and just like when players are going to cut and stuff like that. So that's, that that brings up something that I do know there there are a couple people on social media asked me the question and they seem to think that um maybe with your background at Air Force that some of these backdoor cuts were were your influence and the reality is I, I think you guys kind of have that anyway I I do think Patino was doing some of those last year so I don't know if you in, introduced this in any way to the to the Lobos this year but but how much have you helped with some of those backdoor cuts on on maybe getting a better read on it or or just kind of like how it's been executed because I I remember them trying it a couple times last season and and it just didn't work quite as well as it seems to be working this year. You know, you know, co- coach has always had those. You know, in his playbook, and, and they've used them. And and it's funny because he jokes with me when when we run them. He goes, "You get really excited when you see that back door cut, don't you?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, I do. It brings back some memories." But uh, no, he has had that in his package, and and offensively, they've done that. We have maybe talked about it, and I've shown him some clips of some different things, and we talk about, you know, should you make that pass or not make that pass? And you know, we we've had missed a few layups still this year when he have we've had some open backdoor pass, but because we're so talented with our guards and in times as you know they're closely guarded 
So that's when you have an opportunity to maybe space the floor a little bit, and then you can send them back door and loosen the defense up. And coach has done a really good job of picking those spots during the game and calling them. And they've worked out, you know, especially in the Iona game uh, last Sunday, we had a good spot there where uh, he took advantage of that. Jalen has been really good on the uh, receiving end of it because yeah. he's, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, he, he's the guy usually running the point, but like he's actually the guy yeah. that's received a couple from MASH. I remember one, I can't remember the game offhand, but but KJ had a really good pass, and I can't remember if it was to Jalen or, yes. or to MASH, but um, it was it was KJ at the, you know, running with the assist on it anyway. And yes. yeah, it's uh, it, it's been fun to watch because I do remember them sort of trying that a couple times last year, but it was so infrequent that I didn't even know if it was – designed or they were just trying it in the middle of a game uh-huh. um, but this year you could tell it's, it's part of the package like you, you guys can pull that out yes yes um, and, and, and as any coach says when you have a little better players sometimes it looks a little better yeah you guys are geniuses when the players are are, uh, are playing <laughs> as well as these lobos have been playing this year um one thing before we get into kind of what the road ahead with conference play is i i'm curious the the criticism of this team w- would be a, a schedule um, a strength of schedule, but I mean, I guess over 12 games, you guys have had a handful of really tough opponents that I think everybody could recognize as, as tough opponents. Some other ones that maybe you guys recognize as tougher than the average fan would ever give that credit to. But what, what I mean, what can you guys do at this point other than keep playing? Is is there any talk of, in, or, or kind of acknowledgement that, okay, we get the strength, the schedule is what it is, and, and we still have to do something else? Or, or does that just not even enter the the conversation around the locker room and around the team? Well, I think, you know, the non-conference schedule has been pretty solid, and scheduling has changed so much. And I mean, normally for the 2023-24 season, you may already have your schedule in place. And we have a few games for next season locked in, and we're still obviously need a, a quite a bit more. But Nowadays, with the transfer portal and the NIL, you could look at a team, say, South Alabama, and you could say, okay, put on the board, here's where they're going to have for next year. Do you schedule them because there'll be a quad two, quad three, or do you not schedule? By June 1, they could have nine new players. Yeah. So you can't rely on that anymore because you just never know. I mean, it is so different. It is so different anymore. You you really can't put your uh, – players up on the board and your uh, depth chart and say, okay, this year, next year, because it doesn't happen that way. You're basically one year programs and you, you hope the players continue to stay in your program. And uh, for scheduling purposes, you think those players will be in other programs, but again, six months from now, they could have eight to 10 new players and that has happened. So it's harder to schedule. I think you know, the, some of the teams we played early, the Northern Colorado, I think they'll probably be top two in the big sky, top three. Uh, South Alabama will probably be top two or three, Jacksonville State. So those teams, you know, SMU uh, has been a little bit up and down, but a very traditionally strong program in American Athletic. Uh, Iona will probably, I don't know if they'll lose a game in the Metro Atlantic or maybe yeah. just one because they're really strong. So those those games have been good. San Francisco, you know, after we played them, they, they came back, beat UNLV, then dropped one at Arlington, then had <laughs> Arizona State down 47 points. Yeah, if you look at that four-game stretch of San Francisco, oh if you don't want to um, acknowledge that college basketball can have some ups and downs no matter how good you are, like that four-game stretch for San Francisco where they, they drop a heartbreaker to you guys because they did lead 30-plus yes. minutes of that game, um, and you, you guys were able to just keep it close, keep it close, and figure out a way at the end. And then they come back to the same city a week, you know, five days later or six days later and beat UNLV, and then they, they lose – 
as you know, they were tw- they were favored by twenty, and they lose to UT Arlington. Yeah, and then and then they're up by forty plus against Arizona State. Much of that second yeah. half end up winning by thirty seven. Like yeah. that four game stretch pretty much highlights what college basketball can be, which also is kind of a credit to you guys for not having one of those slip ups. No doubt, and, you know, and and so you when you go back to the schedule, whether strong or not so strong, whatever it may be, I guess the bottom line is we took care of business with every game we played. So we didn't have a slip up or maybe a bad loss or someone throwing a screen a couple of months and say this or that. So as we head into Mountain West Conference play, you're 12 and 0, you had 12 non-conference games. So it's a pretty good start to what you have now. It's going to be a tough conference play. And, and I will add this, you guys have take, not just taken care of it. The, the computers matter now. They, I know, yeah. I don't know what coaches think about that overall, but the, the computers do matter. And when you look at a Ken Palm, which is the side I use forever like almost most of my stats kind of what i do to start my day but it's it's uh if you look at that you you guys have beat the teams you're supposed to beat by as much as you're supposed to beat them or more and and you you steadily climb up that ladder a little bit and that's that's really all you can ask for i i will credit um ken palm but also caution fans that follow it um i i do credit ken palm's system for not over reacting to any one game whether it's a bad loss or or a huge win because his his um uh the the way the whole system is is set up is that you want to have enough data to to have it mean something so that that also brings in some factors from last year that maybe some fans are just why in the world would that matter right now we shouldn't be ranked that way but it, it it's all with a purpose, and and I I think overall by the end of the season the the Ken Palm rankings are pretty good because of the way it's all set up, and uh, I think you just kind of have to be patient sometimes. You can't go from two ninety four at the end of two seasons ago to to even sixty six right now. It's pretty remarkable, and and uh, it takes some time. Yeah, it is. No, I agree totally with you. Let's talk about conference play now because whether you guys are twelve and zero or zero and twelve, you guys are about to start uh, kind of the the next chapter, and I'm curious. When when coaches talk about it, it's 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 all different in league play and and when league play starts like what, what does that mean exactly that I I know there's the familiarity as, aspect but like what, what does it mean do you do you guys as coaches see a, a different intensity or is it just basically the familiarity part that kind of amps up I think both I mean I think you you know in in this conference you have really good coaches you have really good venues to play in so winning on the road is hard. But I think when you start conference play, the scouts are much more in depth and, and better. You know, the coaches do a really good job of preparing their teams. And also, um, you're very familiar with players, uh, whether those players were there the year before or transferred in, because everyone's very involved with the transfer portal and knows about players. Uh, there's quite a few players on our roster and other rosters that were recruited by four to six schools in the league. Yeah. So, uh, so there you're familiar with them. The, uh, uh, scouts are again a little bit more in depth and, and better, and then the opportunities uh, to win on the road. I mean, again, tough venues, and hopefully, we continue to have a tough venue where people come here to play. It's it's a really good basketball conference, and I've said that for years. I think you see across the the country, you know, obviously your Power Fives, but I had a friend in coaching call me the other day and said, you know, watched our Iona game, and he said. I don't know if there's another venue out west, say maybe Gonzaga, but only seats about six. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, San yeah. Diego State, and the pit. He said, you, you know, you, you turn on other games, Big East games, ACC games, and there's three quarters of the arena or half of the arena field. And he said, but look at what the crowd you have. And he said, at times it was so loud you couldn't hear the announcers. 
And, uh, and that's a credit to the fans here in Albuquerque and, and educated basketball fans. And I've always said that. So it's a really neat place for us uh, to play. And again, as I was going back to, you know, some tough venues in this conference, but I, I, I think this year is I'm going back maybe to that 12, 13 year that um, obviously New Mexico had a very good season that yeah. year. What made the conference so strong? There was five teams that made the NCAA tournament. What made a co- the conference so strong was the bottom three teams were good. Yeah, and, and I, I've pointed out that this year, if you look at those bottom yes. teams and you're just looking at net rankings, um, man, like yes, there's not a bad loss on the there's schedule. Not. There's not, and, and I think the other day I looked, the, the lowest team was Wyoming, and obviously they've had some <laughs> the players, and Graham Ek may play against Fresno in a couple nights. They're not going to be continuing to stay at that number. I mean, they're going to get increasingly better, obviously, with just having him on the floor. So the power of the conference is is really strong because your bottom half is competitive. That's what power six, really, in basketball, it's power six. So that's yes. what the power six conferences benefit from every single year. And that's what yeah. people always, you know, get so mad about in March is, you know, how, how can this league be getting their seventh or eighth team in? That's just not right. right. Well, th- this is why, because – once you play each other, and if all yeah. of you guys have done your job in entering league play, if everybody's you know positioning on the computers is mm-hmm. is what it should be. Like this is this is the benefit of it is, you know, even if you guys all end up five hundred, like they're going to get a whole bunch right. of teams are going to get in because you guys took care of business in non conference, and for the most part, the Mountain West did that. No doubt, no doubt, and and I credit to all the coaches and their uh, opportunities to schedule better uh, neutral site games. Strong MTEs, uh, cross rival games uh, with with other similar conferences or even conferences a little bit higher rated. Uh, I think I think everyone has been a little bit better in their scheduling methods, and that's helped the conference as a whole. You mentioned that 2012-13 season. I, I know the the last time uh, again as we record this on December 26, you guys as the Lobos were were ranked today in the AP top 25, and the last time the Lobos were ranked was that following season. It was the 13-14 season, and that was okay. Noodle's first year. Still had Cam Barstow, yeah. Alex Kirk, Kendall Williams, and uh, Hugh Greenwood. Those were the starting four. I guess Deshaun Delaney was the fifth starter on that team because um, okay. yep. Tony Snell had left for the NBA the year previous. He was the fifth starter on that previous year's team, Alford's last team. But um, that was obviously a pretty good uh, – pretty good roster that they had um i don't i'm not asking you to compare and contrast that team with this team you're part of this team you coached against that team but the the fact that the the pit and this program is sort of getting back into those kind of comparisons after you know eight long eight nine long seasons for fans um of it not being there i'm i'm curious what you as an observer both from you know having coached another team but now being a part of this program how special is something like that to see these comparisons and games like that Iona game where it was it was genuinely loud in the pit again, like to see that kind of stuff returning to the pit? I mean, it, it's amazing when you walk down that tunnel for the last time as you take the floor before the introduction of the national anthem and a tip. It is electrifying. And I still, you know, up until maybe about three games ago, the first couple of games had that knot in my stomach because I was thinking I was still on the other side. And I <laughs> I would want to walk down that tunnel so slow, almost so I, I didn't have to go out there because it, you knew what you were getting into. Not only was the team very talented, but the crowd was so exceptional from any other 
place in the league because I think they're really educated fans. They know when to stand up and they know when the team needs a pickup. They know when you need a couple defensive stops and they do an unbelievable job of that. So now it's it's neat to walk down and know those, you know, you're wearing the same colors. It's it's a really it's a tough environment for any team to come in and play. And uh it's intimidating. You have to be very good as an opponent. You have to have a very good night because you know, I think those those fans put uh, I don't want to put a number on it, but they put some extra points on your side of the scoreboard. I I think too that um what the pit does is is sort of like well, like you said, obviously you get a couple extra points because of the fans and all that. But but whenever you can give that opposing team anything else to think about just to clog their brain with, with, you know, they already have a scouting report. They already have all this other stuff, you know, not too many venues around the country. Are you going to this arena and thinking, Oh man, I really got to think about this arena, but, but the pits, one of those and and the mountain West, frankly, has a few of those around, around it that, uh, you know, you have to factor one in just throwing one other thing to factor in and it kind of clogs the, uh, the thinking. Um, let me ask you, I won't, I'm not going to go team by team and I'm not asking for necessarily a specific game plan, but you guys open up with two teams that had, frankly, I, I think three of the, the preseason's best five players, um, maybe one, two, and three, it, depending on how you want to order them. And preseason player of the year in Graham Ike at Wyoming and Hunter Maldonado, who, who seems to be in his seventh year, eighth year or something. He's, <laughs> he's been, been playing a long time, hasn't he? He's been playing a while. Like those two guys are great. You guys get them later in the week. And then you get an Isaiah Stevens on Wednesday night who I don't know what percentage he would say he's at, but he, he sure looked good against St. Mary's. I'll, I'll tell you when they, when they knocked St. Mary's off, he was really good. So yeah. when you're playing teams in this league and you do have those stars, um, the, the star power in this league has been pretty good through the years. And, and those guys rank right up there. This, this is a tough opening week for you guys. Even if the, the records or, or anything like that, don't, don't show it like the, these are two really tough openers. You're right on point with what you just said. I mean, they're very talented players. And the thing that I would also add is they've had success and they've yeah. tasted success. They, they've they been to the top of the conference. They've been to postseason play in the NCAA tournament. That's that's hard to duplicate, you know, and they've done it. So that's uh, the home game with CSU. Obviously, they're not the, on the road with Wyoming. And, you know, we're anticipating uh, Graham to be back to play in that game. It's, it's a challenging first week. Um, it's – it's neat to have because you're right out of the gate with some uh, really strong opponents, two postseason teams from last year, NCAA tournament teams, and it gives you a very quick gauge of maybe where you're at. I think you guys have two and Isaiah Stevens, by the way, who, who I've sort of maybe favored a little bit more than most. Like I, I think he almost got forgotten because David Roddy was so dynamic last year, yeah. but um, I, I think he's as good a point guard as the league's had in a in a really long time, but, but you guys got pretty good guard play too. So what would your, I'll I'll kind of wrap it up with this. What would your recommendation? I I don't even know if that's the right word because it is, you know, it's Richard's team. And I think you've done a tremendous job and sort of, you know, your role is, is sort of to to do whatever the head coach needs. And, and, and he's been grateful in in talking to me with everything you do, but you're in a unique position where you've been through this. So I don't know if you offer up, the advice or, Hey, this might be coming up. Or if you kind of wait for him to come to you, um, knowing that he he's been through this just once and you've been through it, you know, for over a decade. You know, I think we've, we've kind of really uh, hit it off pretty well. We're, we're starting to know what each other thinks and I'm getting a great pick of him. And, uh, you know, there's, he'll come in the office and sometimes in the morning and say, how about this or that? And I said, you know what? I just wrote that down last night. I was thinking the same thing. 
you know, he's got a great mind for the game. And, and uh, at times he'll come in and I'll just say, you know what? I totally agree. I just saw that. Or there may be some times in the morning I'll say, you know, how about this? Did you ever think about this? And he said, yeah, you know, show me what you think. And then we'll talk about it. And I think he's done a, done a great job. And I think he's done a great job putting our team in position now to start in conference play. And, and I made a comment the other day to him and he, he, you know, I don't need to say that because who am I, but I just told him, I said, coach, I just thought our Illinois game was just a great reflection of you because, you know, they're a very good team and obviously very well coached when they made that run and cut the game back to a three point game, your team takes on the demeanor of the head coach and, and coach never wavered, never rattled, never got caught up in everything. He was calm gathered them together, called out an offensive set, and we score, and it goes from three to five, and then obviously we win the game. And you've seen it. You know, you've seen coaches who, in yeah. those points, because of a large lead, the magnitude of that game, none of us understand what he went through for that game. I mean, none of us can understand how much was on that game because of the relationships and right. uh, what a neat opportunity. But you've seen coaches who've lost it right there, and the teams have lost it, and you end up walking up that tunnel and you lost the game. And I just thought that was really – we really grew as a team because of his leadership that night. That really helped us. So hopefully that will carry us through for some tough games we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks. You having fun? Are you, are you having uh, fun this year? I'm I'm loving it. I'm having a ball. I mean, this has really been neat. 12-0, and 0, the crowds, the, the the players, how neat they are, the staff. This has really been enjoyable. It is so, so enjoyable. I'm glad I got to uh, to have you back on the podcast. Appreciate I you appreciate for doing. It. Yeah, well, I appreciate you for doing it, man. Um, th- this has been fun to cover too, by the way. It's not just uh, it's not just you guys. It's been a little while since I've uh, I've gotten to cover a team winning a whole bunch of sure. games like this. So uh, I'm I'm having fun too, even though I got to go. Well, you know, I'm I'm ready to cover a postseason again. Just so you know, I, hear you. I don't want to put pressure you. on you guys, but you know. <laughs> The, the, it's all about the local beat writer, and the local beat writer is ready to cover a postseason, okay? Just so you there guys you go. know. There you go. Dave, really yeah, I appreciate your time, man, and uh, good luck for conference play. We'll see you soon. Thank you now. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Dave Pilipovich. Hope you enjoyed that. Dave's a great guy. Obviously, three, I think this is his third time on the on the podcast, so obviously I'm a fan of his. Uh, he, I... <laughs> I, I'm very appreciative of the fact that not only did he record this on Monday night with me and and a lot longer than the 20 to 30 minutes um, I, I told him it would be, uh, we recorded for a good 5 or 10 minutes before I had a technical issue and we had to start again. So much appreciative for his patience and that's the kind of guy Dave has always been. Even when he was head coach at Air Force, I, I always loved talking with him and, and did have him on the podcast when he was head coach there. So it, it, he's a great guy and and adds such unique perspective to to this league as a former head coach in this league, but also just as a former head coach, he, he adds a whole lot of perspective that you might not get from the sitting head coach. And, and it's not that Richard Pitino isn't really transparent and open about everything, just a, a different when you're sitting on a different seat on the bench, you, you have a different perspective on things. And I think Dave Pilipovich brings a lot of value to this Lobo basketball team because of his perspective, his experience, and all that. So much appreciative for Dave for being on here. Much appreciative for all of you listening to make this podcast work. We're going to keep them coming throughout Mountain West Conference play. And that starts in earnest now, um, Wednesday night, as, as I record this again. It's Tuesday night, so not sure when you may listen to this. But as I record this, it is on the night before Mountain West Conference play starts. It's going to be a fun season to cover. I, I love covering every season of Mountain West basketball. But this year, uh, 
there's some unknowns. There's there's a lot of teams that look pretty good but maybe aren't proven yet. There's some other teams that were expected to be pretty good that either injuries or just lackluster play, frankly, so far hasn't really proven that they are what what we expected them to be, but there's no reason to think they, they can't still get there. So should be an interesting conference slate ahead in the Mountain West. I do think they get three to four teams in the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of good quality wins based on the computer rankings of all these teams. So it's going to be fun. Glad you're listening. Send the feedback on social media, on Twitter, at Jeff Grammer, or email ggrammer at abqjournal.com. And keep covering or keep following all our coverage online at abqjournal.com slash sports or subscribe. Support local journalism, abqjournal.com slash subscribe. Appreciate you guys, the listeners and readers. And until next time, thanks for listening.